0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. We're going to take a one-week break from our series in the Sermon on the Mount uh, this week. We're going to do that with great intention. Um, Every couple of years, uh, we believe we need to preach on the subject of baptism. Uh, Why? Well, because baptism is really the first step of obedience after uh, salvation. After someone, when they are genuinely saved, baptism becomes, again, the first step of obedience. You can look at it this way. Baptism is when your faith goes public. And that's very, very important, right? We're not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus speaks to that very clearly, too. He's like, you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you at the end. Um, Baptism is viewed as the visible entrance into the church. It's the way, in Scripture, we're commanded to do this, that we publicly identify our entrance into the body of Christ. It's also been described as when we put on the kind of team jersey to recognize we are on team Jesus. And so it's a significant, significant act of obedience, again, which we'll see is all over scripture too. So much has happened in the past few years, and we believe this is a great time to make sure we're all on the same page when it comes to the subject of baptism. The elders believe that now is a great time to both ask and to answer um, really this, why do you wait? Um, It is time to be baptized. Why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. We're excited for that. Now today, I understand this, for some of us, this is going to be review. For some of us, it's going to be new, but for all of us, it will be true. And yes, I did try to rhyme those things together. All right, But that's true, though. right? For for some of us here right now, we've heard this. We know this. Um, In many sense, this is a baptism class today, but we love to do it all together. But for some of us, we have never heard this before. Or not maybe in this way. And there's going to be clarity that that's going to come, and the Lord's going to work in your heart and life. And that's exciting. Whenever we've done this over the years, God has used it every single time. So we're going to jump in a lot to get through, but we're going to be expedient as we go through this. We have five questions today when it comes to what the Bible teaches on baptism. Question number one is this. What is baptism? That's a good place to start. What is baptism? We're going to see three things on the screen beside me and behind me here. Number one, baptism is an ordinance. Baptism is an ordinance given by Jesus Christ. So Jesus commanded, or you can say, or ordained the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. That is the one ordinance that we are to observe repeatedly and the Lord's Supper. Here we basically do it again once a month together and in other ways as well. But he also commanded or ordained baptism as well. In Matthew 28, 19, again, in the Great Commission itself, that's a, that's a huge deal. Jesus said, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So again, right off the bat, if we have any questions about baptism, right, right here, right from the start, it's a command. It's an ordinance that Jesus gave to the church. So, so immediately, it's a big deal. And either we obey to it, obey, we're obedient to it, or we're not. Secondly, baptism is a symbol. This is powerful and beautiful. So baptism is a ceremony where a person is immersed into water. But it's so much more than that, too. Um, one main text I want you to turn to today is Romans chapter 6. We'll look at verses 3 and 5. So please, in your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 5. These verses will not be on the screen for you, so I want you to be able to see that there. These are important. Romans 6, 3-5, to 5, encourage and put peer pressure on your neighbor to turn there. Romans 6, 3-5, to 5. again, I always want you to see what I'm saying, right? I always want you to see it's right there in front of you. And as a student of God's word, you should want to do this as well. Romans 6, um, verse 3, Paul says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, notice, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection um, like his. So this passage right here in Romans 6, 3-5, is speaking of a believer's union with Christ, But let's be very clear. How is someone united to Christ? What is the essential ingredient from our side in being truly spiritually united to Christ? There's really one answer. It's faith. Faith is the key ingredient to be united uh, in union with the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Romans, Paul just spent five chapters building the incredible argument of faith faith really you can say it this way that we are saved by grace through faith and he goes to such an extent to articulate that we're not justified by works we're justified by grace again through faith believing in what Jesus Christ has done for us in his life death and resurrection so notice here and this is this is so important So it's not baptism that unites us to Christ. There's there's a lot of false teaching regarding baptism. I heard some even this morning, people coming up, and they had clarity, and the things they have experienced or been taught in the past are just not right. Okay, Baptism does not unite us to Christ. Faith and faith alone does that. What baptism does then, baptism pictures our faith in Christ. It symbolizes our faith and salvation in Jesus Christ. Think of it this way. Just like a wedding ring does not cause someone to be married. You don't just put a ring on, and then you're married. A wedding ring is a symbol of marriage in someone's life. This is what baptism is in the Christ follower's life. It symbolizes what has taken place in the life of the Christ follower in the past, referring to genuine salvation. So you see, to be saved by Christ, and in Romans 6, 3 and 5 we see this, is to be saved from death. But in order to be saved from death, you must also die with Christ. Now, follow me here, okay? For the true Christian, what happens? We're saved in Christ, we die with Christ. The penalty of our sin, our old self in this sense, our sinful nature self died with Christ on the cross. And at that point... The old has gone, our sin has been paid for, and we experience, again, newness in life because of that. That's why Paul says in Galatians 2, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. But he doesn't stop there. And he says, "Is no longer I who live now, but Christ who lives in me. So this truth beautifully parallels Romans 6, 4, and 5, right? Again, let's just say it again in a similar way, but hopefully we are understanding this. If your sin has been nailed to the cross with Christ, then this is absolutely certain. Then you become a new creation. If your sin has been paid for and nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ, you become a new creation. As Christ died but it doesn't stop there and was raised from the dead. The moment Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, he defeats death once and for all. Death is now again gone. So all those who belong to Christ in his death and resurrection who put their faith in Jesus Christ, they too then have forgiveness of sins and they are raised from the dead to eternal life. And so faith unites us with Christ in his death and most gloriously, faith unites us with Christ in his resurrection. So all that to say this, what baptism becomes then is a picture of our faith. It's a symbol of our new life in Christ. Let me be abundantly clear. Baptism does not save us. Baptism doesn't earn a special favor with God by something we have done. For the observer or the unbeliever, baptism is literally an object lesson of our new life in Christ. This is why also I try to encourage anyone I'm close to who's getting baptized. I try to encourage, as you're about to be baptized, just just think about what you're symbolizing. You're gonna stand in the tank and identify with Christ in his death. You go under the water. You're identifying with Christ in his burial. You come up out of the water. You're identifying and symbolizing being raised from the dead. Again, a symbol of what has happened to you in Jesus Christ. When you stand in the tank, you're just like, man, I can't show you, like, right here, and like, you know, an object in front of me. I can symbolize what has taken place in me. I'm a new child of God. I am saved in Jesus Christ. I'm a new creation, all because of what Jesus Christ has done. And that is what to be symbolized before you today in the baptism day. It's beautiful. It's astounding. It's powerful. It means so much. Baptism is a symbol, one that we should treasure. So it's an ordinance, it's a symbol. Thirdly, baptism is a statement. It's a statement. So baptism becomes an opportunity to declare one's faith in Christ. It's such a big deal. To stand before your church family, to stand before others that are watching and say, man, no doubt about it, I love Jesus Christ, he saved me, and I want, I want people to know it as well. Here's a powerful quote, too, from William MacDonald on the reality of baptism. He said this, There's a sense in which a believer attends the funeral of his old self when he is baptized. Not good. That's so good. I love that. Right? There's a sense where that is true. At your baptism, you're like, see you later, old self, because Jesus Christ has set me free. I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but now Christ lives in me, and I will never die again because of the gospel again of Jesus Christ, because of the life and death and resurrection of Christ, because of the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. So baptism is a statement then of our faith. Now, a lot of people are intimidated to do it. And I have compassion for that. But in the end, it's the fear of man that prevents people that are intimidated. And we need to replace the fear of man with a fear of God. With faith. With faith in, in what the Lord has done for us as well. So the number one reason people are hesitant to get baptized is, is, is fear But what I lovingly challenge you right now is this. Listen, if Jesus Christ died for you, you can testify for him in front of a church family that loves you, that's cheering for you, and will joyfully celebrate with applause at what Christ has done in you. And you're like, well, I'm afraid. Well, in love, get over it. Okay, no, like if Christ died, if he was here right now and you saw his scars in his hands, you're like, Jesus, thank you for dying for me, but I'm not willing to stand in front of a church family who loves me and say that you're, that you're amazing. Would you say that? I, I don't think you'd say that to him. But let's make sure we're not letting the fear of man get in the way of us testifying to the glory of Jesus Christ, right? That's where, again, the Christian life, I mean, you have to exercise faith. And by the way, too, many were like, I, I, I don't know what to say. We'll help you with that. Well, I, I don't know if I want to read it in public. Well, we'll read it for you if you want to. They like, were willing to do that. But nothing to prevent you from giving glory to Jesus Christ because he saved you from death and hell and the very wrath of God to stand up. And again, every person who does it at the end, did, I've never heard one person ever baptize say, man, I should have done that. And in the end, the joy and the tears and the, and the jubilation of testifying because God helps you. It's amazing, Hey, eh? Peter could never walk in water if he didn't get out of the boat. He stays in the boat his whole life. He never experiences walking walk in water. His eyes off of Christ, he starts to sink. But his eyes on Christ, he's walking. again. If you never get out of the boat, man, you'll never be able to walk in water. If you never step out in faith, well, you'll probably never get baptized. But we are called. We need to. We need to by faith. Question number two. Why should I get baptized? Well, I just had a lot of good reasons right there. But let's have four practical ones or four theological ones before us right now. Why should I get baptized? Well, number one, Jesus was baptized. Now, Jesus did not need to get baptized. Why? Because he was without sin. So it would not be a picture of salvation for Christ because Jesus Christ is salvation. But Jesus was baptized to be an example for us. He was identifying himself with humanity. And the time would come soon where Jesus would identify himself with man to the point of taking on humanity's sin upon the cross itself. So Jesus was our example, including being baptized, by the way, I was in Luke 3 in my personal readings this morning, and that is a passage when Jesus was baptized and John the Baptist was baptized. I'm like, I'm, Lord, I'm so encouraged. I think today we're speaking on this, and there it is. And I got there, and I'm like, oh, man, that just blesses me. We're on the right track. So Jesus was baptized. Secondly, Jesus commanded it. We have heard this already today, but it's very important for us to be as clear as the Bible is. Matthew 28, simple, unavoidable. Jesus commanded his disciples to be baptized. Loved ones, please understand, this is one of the easiest steps of obedience and following Christ. It's simply a choice to do it or not do it. Other commands are very hard. In, In Sermon on the Mount, never lust after a woman. Commands to never gossip. The commands to not be filled with pride. Those are very hard commands to obedient on an everyday basis. But baptism is different. Baptism is a choice. Either I will or I won't. I suggest obedience. Obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ who commanded it. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, the apostles taught it. In Acts 2.38, Peter was giving the first sermon of the early church. He preached the gospel, and at the end he said, Repent and be baptized every one of you. Repent, believe in the gospel, receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and then immediately the command also was, Be baptized every one of you. And 3,000 people were saved and baptized that day again in the first sermon of the early church. Fourthly, the early church practiced it. Um, Acts 9, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 16 are a few examples of the early church practicing baptism. The application is clear. Baptism is crucial to Jesus, the apostles, and the early church. Baptism should be critical to us as well. Question number three. Who should be baptized? This is an important one. Our study today of Romans 6 uh, is clear. I want to turn to one more passage. I'll put this on the screen for you because I'm, I'm, I'm really nice to you. And so on the screen for you, Colossians 2.12, of course, you can turn there as well. But on the screen, notice carefully here, look at here. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, notice, through faith. So here, again, I'll finish it. In the powerful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. What Paul is saying here is baptism becomes a picture again of our faith in Christ. Right? So clear right there, Galatians 2.12. So the question becomes this. If baptism is the picture of our faith in Christ, then what must you have before you are baptized? Well, the answer is Faith in Christ. Faith precedes baptism. And true faith in Christ means what? Means you have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. There is no faith without regeneration by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in us, regenerates us. We are born again. We have faith and we place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins all those people who have faith or are born again proves that they are genuine believers in Jesus Christ. And what we're seeing then is that baptism is a response to true faith to someone who has been genuinely saved. So question, can an infant have true faith in Jesus Christ? Can an infant place their trust and faith in Jesus Christ? Here's another question. Can a parent choose faith for their child? Can a parent cause salvation for an infant or a child? The answer emphatically is no, right? Scripture makes it clear. Every human being must answer to God for themselves. There's no like situation at the end where someone stands before the Lord in judgment and says what she said or what he said. That's not gonna work. Children, your parents, that's not gonna work. Well, my dad and my mom said. That's not gonna work. There's an individual accountability for every person who's ever lived to respond by faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to believe that Jesus Christ is the only one who can save us from our sins. Faith is critical. Faith is critical precedes, again, anyone being baptized, because baptism is a symbol that someone has been genuinely saved. Just to prove this point further, let's look at a bunch of passages on the screen of who should be baptized. First, Acts 8, verse 12. Notice it says here, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. They believed in the message of Jesus Christ, and then in response they were baptized. Look at Acts 16 on the On the screen here. One who heard is a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, was a worshiper of God. Listen, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. She was responding by faith to the message of the gospel as God worked in her, and after she was baptized, and her household as well, indicating, again, we believe that they all received by faith the message that was found in Jesus Christ. Again, Acts 2.38, we reference this, but look, and Peter says, repent, believe, right, turn from sin, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, right? So there's a belief, and then there is baptism. In Acts 18, verse 8, Christmas, the rule of the synagogue, listen, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They received the message of the gospel. They were saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed, and then they were baptized as a symbol of the work that God just did in their lives as they responded by faith. To be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So, the answer is very clear from Scripture. Who should be baptized? All believers in Jesus Christ. True believers who have been saved by grace through faith. And so we say, listen, all believers should be, really must be baptized. And listen, listen, only genuine believers should be baptized. So whether you're the, and I want to be sensitive to this right now, but I also want to be clear, okay? Whether you're the Catholic church that teaches that baptism in some form, in some way, causes regeneration to infants, that is not in the Bible. That is nowhere in Scripture. In fact, that would, that's, that's salvation by works on some level. So we would consider that's absolutely, well, it's, it's false. The Bible does not teach salvation by works ever. Or whether other Protestant denominations say that infant baptism indicates a probable future regeneration. The point that cannot be avoided in Scripture is that baptism follows faith. And we believe there are no exceptions to this. Maybe you're here today and you say, but I was baptized as an infant. Well, just to encourage you, so was I. Okay, I grew up in the Anglican Church and I have a ton of Gratitude for my background and heritage, and all the way that the Lord used that, whatever. The problem with my baptism as a few months old is that no one asked me. (laughs) And uh, I had no idea what I was doing, and I wasn't saved. I wasn't saved. I got saved when I was 22. And so, as I look at Scripture, and when I came to Christ, and I started looking into this issue for the first time, and even in ministry, and going through this, and being very respectful where I've come from, but just looking at Scripture, Scripture is overwhelmingly persuasive in my eyes to say there is salvation and then there is baptism and so my wife and I got baptized again after we were saved again according to what scripture so clearly teaches I'm not trying to cause any unnecessary anxiety for parents or situations but I think we do want to evaluate our lives according to scripture as I did and with the joy of seeing obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ in this way as well right we understand biblical baptism follows salvation and we argue Every single time. This leads us nicely into question number four. When should I be baptized? Well, essentially, we just answer this question, right? But again, I want to be as clear as possible today in this message. This is when I should be baptized. After, after being saved by Jesus Christ. That's when I should be baptized. It's interesting. There's often this notion, like people come up with this a lot, and they think, well, I'll be baptized when I'm in a certain place spiritually. When I get to a certain place of maturity, then I'll be baptized. And in a sense, that is correct in this way. It is correct in this way. The one essential requirement, as far as spiritually speaking, in your life is you need to be saved. That is necessary. You must be saved. But listen, that is the only requirement in Scripture before baptism. You just need to be saved. You don't have to have a chapter in the Bible memorized. You don't have to be able to recite certain books again, whatever. You don't have to be at a certain level of understanding and maturity or take a certain you know, theological class in terms of understanding the Old Converse and New Covenant. You just say, the only requirement in Scripture is that you be saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people think, well, I kind of have to have it all together before you know, I get back. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to, again, read the Bible through at least once. It's, some people are like, well, I'm going to wait until all my family can be there at the right time. I'm just like, well, you can wait a long time for that. And that's not what the scriptures, some people say, I want to line up my baptism with my birthday. Come on now, come on now. That's <laughs> getting a little bit ridiculous. No, 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 no. The only requirement for baptism is that you are saved. If you are genuinely saved, listen, you're ready today. You're ready today can help you with how to put some words together, whatever it is. Again, hear me as clearly as I can say it based on scripture. There is one requirement again for baptism that is genuine salvation. Again, Peter, early church, repent. And they they were saved in that moment and baptized minutes after. Think they were ready? Think they had everything figured out? Are you kidding me? They just knew Christ was real. They knew Jesus Christ was savior. And they knew that Jesus Christ had set them free from their sins. And they're like, I want to publicly testify to that reality through baptism instantly. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, same thing, just, I mean, right then and there, there's water. The Ethiopian's like, can I get baptized? There's water. He's on it. Doesn't everything all together. They know that they're saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. According to the New Testament, believers did not wait until they were, they were mature in their faith. In fact, baptism became their first real step on their journey of growth and sanctification in Jesus Christ. I mean, all these people in the New Testament being baptized, they're like, man, I don't know what's ahead, but I know I belong to Jesus Christ. Bring on the baptism. Bring on the baptism. I, I don't know what's going on. I, I know Christ is real. He saved me. He set me free. And I just know I need to respond in obedience to baptism. Now, the only caveat I will bring to this is regarding young children. And this is really for parents, of course, as well. And what happens is when, when God's moving in baptism, it's, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time in a church, and I get that, I love that. And sometimes, in the excitement of the moment, there's you know, certain members who want to get caught up in the spiritual excitement, and young people, um, they can find themselves in the tank too early. Sometimes it's completely legit, we'll talk about that in just a second. But what I mean is... We all have stories, and I had talked to a man last service. It was so beautiful to watch. But um, we young people who have said, I was baptized when I was so-and-so age, but then there's no fruit in their lives. And I've had this story said to me many, many, many times. And there's no fruit in their lives. There was no genuine salvation. And then all of a sudden they have a crisis moment with Christ, whatever is late teens, early 20s, or something like that, And then they get saved. The fruit explodes. And now they're like, huh. Um, I guess that back then, that, that wasn't legit. So we want to try to prevent that as much as we can, but we're also not perfect at this, of course, as well. But the elders want to avoid that with wisdom and discernment here at HOPE. Okay? Now, I understand everything I just said about biblical baptism sincerely follows salvation. I mean every single word of it. Here's just some wisdom guidelines for parents in deciding whether or not their children should be baptized. Here's a few questions to ask them. And this is just good parenting. This is good discipleship. Uh, number one, um, are they capable of giving a credible, believable profession of faith? And we, we need any person to be baptized to be able to do this. Not in some perfect theological language, but just are they able to describe, again, who Christ is and in their own words, what he has done for them? Second question, are they consistently showing evidence of a genuine spiritual life? Is, is, is there fruit? Not asking for perfection? Of course not. But just is there some kind of fruit coming? Has there been any form of testing yet? And where they continue to pursue Jesus Christ. Question three. Do they understand what they're doing and saying? Do they know on some level why baptism is so beautiful? In their own words. Do they appreciate, last question, do they appreciate the importance and significance of this event? These are wonderful questions to sit down And to discuss with a child, and again, not ask them to have everything perfectly right, but they can convey and they are living in such a way that we believe God is truly at work within their life. So there's no set age for baptism. It differs from child to child, but it's important again, and and listen, when a a child, and we interview a child, and and they they are legit, I mean, they're in the tank at at some young ages, and, and we've done over the years, and we do that joyfully and gladly, and we do not want to hold them from doing that as well. It's a beautiful thing. The one other thing I want to bring up when it comes to baptism too is baptism as it relates to communion. Here's the question. I think think this is important for us as we go through this too. So the question I have for people who are taking communion presently and have been for weeks or months or maybe even years, but you have not yet been baptized, I want to ask you why? Why? Why is it okay to receive the Lord's Supper in private, in a sense, because we're often by ourselves over here, we're surrounded, but really, but we're not willing to go public for Jesus. Why? We're not going to be legalistic about this, we're not going to be legalistic, but I do want to ask the question, because I have a problem with that. When the command for baptism is so abundantly clear in Scripture, and baptism really viewed as the entrance into the church where my faith goes public, but I'm willing to receive the Lord's Supper by myself, but I'm not willing to go public for Jesus. I just need to know why. And I think that's a theological problem on some level. Now, just to be transparent, this is how I've led, Jill and I have led our own family. We've had multiple or we've had situations where discussing with our children if there's a desire to receive the Lord's Supper but there's not a willingness to be obedient to baptism. Then we would lovingly suggest maybe you're not ready then to take the Lord's Supper because something isn't adding up. There's been wonderful healthy conversations and it's been good for us. So, again, I I want to lovingly challenge all of us that if we are willing, because I think the one is easy to do in a sense, but then it should not go without the obedience to being baptized and standing up and declaring before my church family that I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, just, I just, I just, we're not, again, we're not going to be legalistic about this. We're not going to go aisle to aisle and you know check up on people and watch and whatever, but we do want to take this seriously before the Lord to ask ourselves and examine our hearts to say, "Huh, why is that?" And I would suggest that if well, just we've heard it today, if you're genuinely saved, get baptized, man. Let's go. Let's go. Um, Last question today is this: How should I be baptized? It's good to know there's very little dispute in regards to the way the early church baptized. Uh, the word used for baptism in the New Testament is always either um, the Greek word bapto or the Greek word baptizo, which clearly means in the original language to dip or immerse there are numerous other words the New Testament authors could have chosen under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Greek words for sprinkling, pouring, moistening. But every single time, the word that is chosen is either bapto or baptizo. Um, that came from an expression when a garment was immersed into a dye. So just have that picture that in your mind. A garment immersed into a dye. That is baptizo. The word baptism is used 82 times in the New Testament. 61 of those times refers to a person being placed under water. 14 times, it's used for going through or under painful ordeal. Again, metaphorically describing Jesus and his um, baptism of suffering. But again, the meaning is metaphorically going under, immersed under. The seven other times are referring to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Referring to, again, when we are regenerated and we are fully immersed into the Holy Spirit, when we are regenerated, born again, and we are converted or saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the whole point being this, is that the word means immersion. Every time in the New Testament, it means to go under, to dip into fully. Beyond this truth, there are other scriptural references that point to immersion as a practice of baptism. Listen carefully. In Mark 1, describing Jesus' baptism, it says, When he came up out of the water not sprinkling or moistening or pouring. John 3, uh, John the Baptist was baptizing because water was plentiful there. Acts 8, Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch, the text says they both went down into the water. Scripture clearly suggests immersion as a mode of baptism as opposed to sprinkling or pouring. But the best part of immersion is what it symbolizes. It symbolizes, again, you stand in the tank, the death of Christ. You go under the water, the burial of Christ. You come up out of the water and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's picturing life, death, resurrection in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture when we see it for what it is. So baptism is a big deal and baptism is a beautiful deal. And we believe today that the Lord is calling many to be baptized. That has already been proven today, which is also very exciting as well. So really go through all this, and now I only really have one more question. And the question is for all those who are true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and have not yet to be baptized. The question I have for you is, what are you waiting for? I mean, what are you waiting for, in all honesty? Today's the day. Today's the day to make the decision. No more excuses. No more hesitations, no more rationalizations of why this hasn't happened. Remember, remember, there is no such thing as an unbaptized believer in the New Testament. There is no such thing as an unbaptized believer in the New Testament. So I think you're out of excuses today. And I think the Holy Spirit calls you. And Acts 22 on the screen for you right now, Acts 22. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, picturing the washing away of your sins, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have baptisms scheduled for next week. And now we already have baptisms that will be scheduled for the week after as well, from last service. And I believe the Holy Spirit is calling people again to be baptized. And Jesus is calling for obedience today as well. It's an exciting time. So here's what we're going to do. We have staff and ushers who are ready to hand out this card, for people who know they need to be baptized today, and the card on the back, it's just simple, filled out name, and that will be torn off and handed into our connections desk for all those people the Holy Spirit is working on. Maybe from the beginning of this message, your heart is beating fast right now. You understand this is you. It's, again, the excuses of falling to the ground. Jesus Christ, in His glory, is waiting for you to testify to His goodness. You are being filled with faith. This is an exciting time. There might be fear, but faith is overcoming that because you know you've heard from the Lord. Again, I very, very exciting time to do that. And Lord willing, two weeks from now, as you respond in obedience, that you will be part of the baptism service or maybe a few weeks from now too, depending on how many we have. And this is your day. So I'm speaking right now to everyone who's in this room that's saved in Christ and is yet to be baptized in overflow too right now. If you're in overflow and Orangeville too, if you're in Orangeville right now, I think we are set up. If you are there and this applies to you. So the last thing that remains today then is this. Who needs to be baptized? Who needs to respond in obedience to the clear command of Jesus Christ and to not wait again another day? So if that's you today, because of what Christ has done for you and your desire to be obedient to him, then whether you're in overflow in this room, Orangeville, right now, I'm going to ask right now that you would stand. That you would stand in response. That you need to be baptized today today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who needs to be baptized today? Bless you. Bless you. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Amen. Jojo, it's so good. Amen. Amen. Who needs to be baptized? Three girls in the back. That's awesome. Family in the back. Amen. Brother back there. That's awesome. Who needs to be baptized today? Amen. We're so excited. Woo. If you're in overflow right now, if you're in overflow right now, we have some ladies in the back right there too. The gentleman at the back, right there as well. When you get your card, when you get your card, amen. After you get your card, you can be seated. You can fill it out and out at the connections desk. Again, we have. It looks like a whole family at the back there. That's awesome. We're so thankful for that. Praise the Lord, huh? Praise the Lord, amen, 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 amen. Okay, here's what I know, though. Okay, here's what I know right now. All right, this happens every time, too, man. Some of you right now, there's a fight going on inside your heart. And your heart, blah, 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 blah. And right now, like you want to do it, but you are afraid. Now is the time to exercise your faith and obedience in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you another opportunity to be cheered and celebrated by your church family. You're hesitating. You're hesitating. Stop it. Obedience to Jesus Christ. If you're in this room overflow, Orangeville, and this is, again, another oper- another lap around the track right now, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know it, you know it. Let, let, let's see it. We want to love you right now. Would you stand where you are right now? Anyone else? Amen. Right there. Awesome. Let's go, bro. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. In the back there. That's awesome. That's good. So good. Let's go. Woo. What's up, young man? That's so exciting. <laughs> That's exciting. Awesome. Awesome. A whole bunch in the back there too, ushers. Make sure you get them as well. That's so great. And we have a young woman right here, too. Young woman right here. You can have my card, okay? There you go. Bless you. That's exciting. Woo! Awesome. Woo! Oh, that's so good. Ushers all need another card for next service, okay? Make sure I get that as well, okay? Hey, it's an exciting day, church. We'd love to see the Lord work so much. And and some of you, your legs aren't working today, but they will work when the service is over. You get a card, you get a card. There'll be the connections desk. We have so many of these. Fill it out, hand it in. Some of you tonight, some of you right now, again, I get the battle, all that stuff. It's a spiritual battle too. Some of you tomorrow. Um, obviously we're open. Anyone who wants to respond in obedience, man, we are going to meet with you, love you, care for you, and we'd love to talk to you. So you can online, you can come in, whatever it is, in the next, anytime, anytime. We're always seeking to baptize people who are saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so maybe your step of obedience will come in the days to come, or maybe as we see baptisms in the next coming weeks, that'll also happens as well. So I think based on the response so far, we have baptisms for several more weeks coming and that'll be a Christmas gift to this church. And so we're very thankful for that. Amen, amen. Amen. And I don't I don't know what's happening in Overflow or elsewhere as well, but we're excited to see what God is doing there and I pray man, you will never go wrong with obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. So church, let's just pray. So glad we get to do this. Father, thank you for your word and this clarity. Thank you for the joy of your church responding in obedience to what you've clearly commanded. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I pray the next few weeks will be one of tremendous joy, tremendous glory for you, and just tremendous awareness. You are work, you are alive, you're building your church, and it's true, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Lord, Bless you, bless you. We love you. We need you. We pray together even now, like we pray for next service. Pray for the 12 o'clock. May there be an extraordinary movement of God and more and more men and women responding to obedience in Jesus Christ that you get more and more glory. May it be so. I pray for all those who have indicated that they are to be baptized. Protect them, Lord. The enemy hates this so much. He's going to try to discourage them. He's going to try to distract them. He's going to try to make them second-guess. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, deliver us from evil. Amen, church? And just allow each man, woman, child to be surrounded, a hedge of protection, light around them, and they would say, no, I've heard, it's clear, I will respond. I will obey. I will follow through to give glory to Jesus Christ. Because I have decided to follow Jesus, and there is no turning back. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's.